Those of us in campus public safety have been working really hard day and night thinking about how we can improve campus safety on our campuses across this nation. Campus Roll Call is designed to provide a space for practitioners, academics, community members, and department members to engage in thoughtful conversations about issues that matter to us. My name is Ronnell Higgins. I am the Director of Public Safety and Chief of Police at Yale University. I want to welcome you to Campus Roll Call. for candid conversations about race, equality, public safety, leadership, and community from our unique perspective here at Yale University. In this episode, we're going to talk about how Yale Public Safety is evolving its role with student affairs. This afternoon's guest is Vice President and Secretary Kim Goff-Cruz of Yale University. Kim has an undergraduate degree from Yale University and a Juris Doctorate from Yale University as well. She was born and raised in Los Angeles, California. Correct. And, and came and left Los Angeles for the first time when she came to Yale University. Yes. Kim, we've worked together now for some years, but we've never talked about how you, how you transitioned from Los Angeles to the East Coast. Well, it was interesting. I, I came to Yale at a time when people didn't really visit schools before mm -hmm. they uh, accepted, were accepted and, right. and, and actually matriculated. So I came sight unseen. Wow. But I chose Yale because it was small. The college was, you know, um, you had the residential college systems. And I also chose Yale, I have to be honest, because it was in a black community. Mm -hmm. um, I um, was going off on my own for the first time. Felt like I wanted to be in an environment that was um, that seemed familiar, mm -hmm. so that I could be on campus but have an off-campus community mm -hmm. that I would recognize. Right. So that's one of the reasons why I chose Yale. Um, but it was so interesting. I came on the uh, Connecticut limousine, which was really functioning very well. You remember the Connecticut remember limousine? Yeah. I come up, you know, ninety-five, and I see Kimberly Avenue. Good sign. <laughs> I'm right, driving around. Like I was like, "There's Golf Street." Good sign. Yeah. So I was like, "Okay, this might be this might be a really right. good place to be." But um, but it was an interesting transition because yeah. you know I'd never been in snow. I'd never really been far away wow. from home. So it was it was pretty int intense uh, first semester, I think. Kim, what would you say is different today for students who are coming to Yale for the first time versus when you arrived at Yale? Well, I think. One of the things that was the same is that we all arrived with some degree of anxiety mm -hmm. um, about coming to the school and trying to figure out where you fit in because, you know, you just left, you were, you had a sense of uh, belonging and, and, you know, sort of where you stood in the society, but then in the society that you were in, but then you come and you have to kind of start all over again. Mm -hmm. So that's somewhat the same. What I love about the students um, is that they recognize that they are anxious and that do, they do need to sort of uh, figure out how to deal with their mental health and right. well-being. Uh, and so you see a lot more requests for support in that area mm. um, than when we were in school. We sort of just bucked, you know, sucked it up and, and, and did what we need to do. Yeah. Um, so that's what's, what's, a lot, what's very different. They also have an expectation of, um, of um, being in a community that is diverse, mm. Uh, and, they, and they are actively looking for that, no matter who they are. Mm 
uh, and figuring out ways and being willing to figure out ways to interact with each other mm -hmm. um, as well uh, with new ideas. So I, I find that really very interesting about this particular generation of students. Well, the population at Yale now, the student population at Yale is much more diverse it is. now than it was then It is as well. And you see that in student leadership. Mm -hmm. You see that um, in, in um, you see that when you go to the dining hall, certainly the new dining hall Schwarzman. Yeah. Um, so, so it is very diverse. But, I, but again, I, what I really appreciate is that they're expecting it, they're expecting to engage, um, however difficult that may be mm -hmm. um, at times. Um, so I, I really enjoy that about them. Mm -hmm. So that, that leads me to my next question, having to do with how public safety is evolving its role, how we are evolving our role with student affairs. Yes. Um, mm -hmm. How would you describe the experience for students who are arriving now at Yale versus when they were arriving at Yale when you arrived at Yale? So when I arrived at Yale, first of all, as, as we talked about, I'm from Los Angeles. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, Los Angeles has its own unique uh relationship between the community and the police. Mm -hmm. um, so for me personally, mm -hmm. I wasn't having any expectation of having any positive interactions with the police. Mm -hmm. The police were the police. They did, you know, they did lockouts. They did a number of other things. Mm -hmm. um, um, I didn't think, I didn't really have any interactions with the police when I was here, but I think we were all, um, we were all very concerned about and respectful of the police. It just had a, had a, a um, respectful, distant mm -hmm. relationship with them. I've heard that before. Yes, exactly. Now, also, we didn't talk about the fact that I also ran the Afro American Cultural Center for a number of years. So, so when I, after I had my seven-year stint uh, as a student, I came back after practicing law and I ran the Cultural Center. Mm -hmm. And that feeling around police interaction was still here. Mm -hmm. It didn't mean people didn't like the police. They were just respectful and distant. Mm -hmm. Coming back, um, now what I see is there, and particularly under your leadership, I have to say, um, is a sense of much more interaction with the community. So I know that I work with student leaders. They know you. Um, they know Anthony. They know a lot of police a lot differently because I think mm -hmm. there was a whole shift while I was gone mm -hmm. around the community-based policing. Mm -hmm. So I think people, it's, now when people see the police, it's a little bit more, more often a more pleasant interaction because yeah. you're, you're seen as part of the community and people feel that you're part of the community. So I think what's happened is you've shifted, I think, and mm -hmm. you should tell me if this is right, you've shifted the way in which you um, approach your work. I think we as a community, um, from for most part, mm -hmm. have actually shifted our expectations of you, which is probably why we're at a moment where we're trying to get, you know, to, to, to take the next iteration of right. that, right. that expectation. Um, so I think that things are better um, and there's higher expectations of our interactions with you right. for, for, from students' perspective, I would say. You know, I, I just Does that wanna, make sense? Oh, absolutely. Okay. And I, I, would, I just want to touch a little bit about um, the Afro-American Cultural Center. Yes. Because I remember, you may not remember this, but I remember being assigned there as a police officer around a... Parties. A, around a party. Right. And I'll never forget, it, there was a party just before, or I think the night of, the Yale-Harvard game. And that party went to probably about two or three. That was a great party, I have it, to say. It, it, yeah, that was a great party. And there, <laughs> a legendary party. There was all sorts of food left yes. over, and you were and like, well, "Officer, officer, are you yes. hungry?" And, and you sent me home <laughs> with a sweet potato pie. And I never forgot that. That's true. But That's um, true. but yes. really, I that experience um, serving uh, on a security detail at the Afro Am House. Mm -hmm. I have to share with you, Kim, that there were times where that respectful distance, mm -hmm. I felt it. 
Right. I felt it. They they wanted you there, but at the same time, they didn't want you in their space. Mm-hmm. You know, and so I found over time, having worked the Afro Ram House, that it that I had really good conversations with students and with the, the deans who oversaw the house as well mm-hmm. over time. And I have to say that that has shaped my thinking uh, as a leader coming up through the ranks and working mm-hmm. various events at the Afro William House and, and conversing with various deans over the years about the students' concerns at the Afro William House. So, you know. Well, can I say, for, so sure. from my perspective, one of the things I learned is the value of getting to know the people that you're working with, but mm-hmm. also the people who are supporting your community. Mm-hmm. So, as I said, I start off in Los Angeles with a you know with a very interesting perspective about what what the police were and how they worked. And over time, both as a student but then as an administrator, getting to know people in a personal level and seeing them in you know events and mm-hmm. working with them has um, has really um, impacted the way in which I view the police. And I think as I talk to student leaders, mm-hmm. that is also the case. Mm-hmm. So that the interaction has been really powerful, I think very helpful. And, and you and I are now talking about um, evolving that with a, with a new care-centered mm-hmm. kind of focus on the mm-hmm. way in which we support students. And I think that that's just going to bode well for, for the future. You know, uh, sometimes when we're trying to figure out where we're going, we have, to, we have to understand from whence we come. Right. And one thing I can recall walking into the Afro-Am house back in the day is, to the right on the wall, there was this huge mural. Mm-hmm. And, the, and on the mural were pictures of former students. And there were some photographs of, of police officers right. in that mural with some of the students. So when I was trying to figure out what my place was on this campus and with, uh, with students of color, I saw examples of how that could be done. So again, that shaped my thinking. But things, things have changed. And you know we are in a place right now where policing must evolve. And mm-hmm. we're working really hard on this campus to do just that. Can you talk about your role in shaping uh, our fit for purpose response? We met with you directly and your team over the course of a summer. I mean, we had a lot of meetings. Yes, we, we had did. a lot of meetings. In the middle of COVID. And, and, I, have yes. to, and I have to say, yeah. um, you are a tremendous advocate for students mm-hmm. and you made it really, really clear what was acceptable and what wasn't acceptable. And I appreciate your candor on that. But you also, at the same time, understood that we we had to work uh, together to figure this out. Right. You want to talk about that? Sure. Well, so, so first of all, thank you for that. And and, and we did meet quite a, quite a few times during the summer. Um, we had, I had spoken to a lot of students, mm-hmm. as you know, and you and I actually had spoken to student mm-hmm. activists together as well about some of their concerns. Mm-hmm. And I think that part of what... What we both learned, um, uh, but I understood because I had actually done this on another campus, the campus I was at before, was the sense that the partnership between student life personnel and the police and security, actually, Mm -hmm. is really, really important. And that most students don't mind seeing the police, but not by themselves if that's not, if the police, armed police, are really what's not needed in a situation. So the team approach... Mm-hmm. becomes much more um, important. And I actually think it's already existed. Mm-hmm. I think it already did exist, um, Ronell, mm-hmm. for, for us. We just didn't name it, and we have not... Um, we didn't have a, a protocol that was active for us to be able to be in a room together, in a situation, mm-hmm. more consistently mm-hmm. um, than we are now. Mm-hmm. And so I think that what we came to to understand and what I really advocated for was was that 
care-centered approach where you have a number of people, either from mental health, student life, security, police, who are able to respond at a moment's notice to an, is, to an incident and then figure out with the student what is needed to resolve mm -hmm. that particular incident. And that's really what we're, we're all mm -hmm. trying to do. Mm -hmm. um, something you always talk about, you know, um, fit for purpose is, is the right phrase. Um, but that's, that's really the, the framework that we were all working on, the one that I laid out from our conversations, both of our conversations with students, and that we all agreed to. Yeah, it, it was, I, I think you're right. I, we, we had an informal, pra informal practices in right. place, but we, it wasn't formal. And I, I think what we were lacking was, you know, an, an understanding between public safety and, 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 and student life. N not that any people weren't working together. Right. It was just an understanding of roles and purpose. And I think one of the things that activism has done over these last few years mm -hmm. has really caused us in public safety to do some serious introspection about mm -hmm. what our role is on campus. And, you know, now when a, when, a, when a person at Yale University, a student, a faculty member or a staff member contacts the Yale police, as opposed to us just immediately sending a police mm -hmm. officer, there's the call is triaged. Right. The call is triaged. In other words, we're trying to determine what the best public safety resource is to help solve that problem or be responsive to that community member. It wasn't always that way. Right. It wasn't always that way. What I have found in our work, is, as I talked about earlier, um, the Yale police officers many, many years ago when you were a student mm. were unlocking Not doors. Not that many years ago, thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> that's, not, that's too many minis in there. I'm, that's I'm it. Sorry. Okay. I'm sorry. A while ago, when you were a student, the Yale police were doing things like unlocking doors. I'll, I'll, here's a fun fact. The Yale police, way before my time, used to turn the, uh, the, the grills on in the dining hall so that when the cooks arrived in, the grills were already ready. Yeah, if you talk to some of the old-time police officers, that's how the police were used. But Yale is not unique. The police are here 24 hours a day. Therefore, on campuses right. like Yale and other campuses, the police were just kind of the default for a lot of the things that either no one else wanted to do or there wasn't anyone to That's do. That's true. But, but now we have become much, much more professional and we've evolved. Uh, well, but, the, but part of what we've talked about mm -hmm. is you can't be the only people who are here 24-7. So part of what we want to evolve is a team, again, a team exactly. of people who are available 24-7 so that it's not only the, you know, the police mm -hmm. or security who have to show up at something. So that eventually will get there, but mm -hmm. I think that's what you and I have agreed to that mm -hmm. we need to. Mm -hmm. You know, let's, let's talk about that for a second. Okay. Because, you know, one, one of the things about Yale is we all, we're all very collegial. And we right. all work well together. We all know who to contact. But it shouldn't be me calling Kim. It should be a system in place, a right. plan in place. Um, Pilar Montalvo, assistant vice president, uh, will now be working under you, and she will be uh, a, a permanent partner for Yale Public Safety. We want to thank you for bringing back that role to the secretary's office because we believe it was needed. And we also believe that with her working in your office, that we're going to get a lot done, and we're going to, and, and it's going to um, create that team approach. Well, we're, first of all, thank you for mm -hmm. that because I think it's very exciting to have her. She just started this week um, to have Pilar to do this role, and hopefully, you'll have her on the podcast at mm -hmm. some point. 
Um, but you're right. We needed to have somebody who was a point person um, who was available to you at all times, mm -hmm. and and she will build out a system with you that right. will be the fit for uh, for purpose um, system that we're that we're going to put in place. So I'm I'm very excited about that. I think you're absolutely right. It was what needed, and mm -hmm. I'm glad that we were we were able to um, to get that that settled quickly. Good. So I just want to pull out a couple of highlights for from sure. our fit for purpose response. So you heard me talk about how calls are now triaged. Yes. When someone contacts the Yale Police Department, the question is asked, is there a police, is this a police, fire, or medical emergency? Mm -hmm. I, I, wanna, I want students to know, Kim, that the more information they can provide our dispatchers about their need, the better in a, we're in a better position to provide the appropriate resource. Well, first of all, can I thank you for having dispatch um, switch to be able to ask those questions because one of the things we heard from students over and over again is please don't give me five numbers to call so I have to figure out what I what I need first right. before I can figure out what, who I'm going to call right. so so having dispatch be the the place where students can actually first turn to to mm -hmm. figure out what's needed is very very helpful for us everybody knows the number mm -hmm. um, it's it's ingrained in, in in where we go first and so I'm really grateful for right. you for taking that on absolutely. One of the second things, another thing I want to highlight is that um, our security officers who are on campus and are highly visible, they're going to be much more involved in our fit for purpose response. Right. For instance, we receive a lot of calls about noise complaints or someone who may be smoking in their dorm room. Well, that doesn't necessitate a, a police officer response. A certain, you don't need two police officers responding, right. which is what we used to do. Right. Um, how are students feeling about security uh, responding to these calls versus the police? Well, they definitely appreciate having security as opposed to um, one of the police uh, members going. Although I think if security is not available, we will have to send the police officer. So I don't want people to think that we will never send Correct. the police officer. I think that's Correct. accurate. But I will say, I want to just say that uh, I would like to put a marker out that we'd like to train students to, to go and ask people to turn the noise down themselves without having to call security first. That would be mm -hmm. one, one mm -hmm. way of doing it. But if you have to call someone, I, I do know that they appreciate having the security show up. Yeah, yeah we're finding, too, that students don't like to engage other students. I know, but but eventually we're going to we're gonna have to learn how to do that because I think yeah. that um, that would be for building the community. Mm -hmm. One of the other things I would like to highlight is how we respond to students who may be in crisis. Mm -hmm. um, Ultimately, what we'd like to see is a co-response model mm -hmm. where the police are responding with uh, mental health professionals, um, but we're still working on that. We're, yes. not, we're not there yet. But what we, what we have done is we've taken police officers, we're working to take police officers out of the traditional uniform because we have found that uh, a police uniform can be a trigger for some students, right. um, and we want to de-escalate and we can de-escalate by our mere presence. So taking them out of the traditional uniform and having a softer uniform, um, keeping in mind all of our officers are trained in crisis intervention, we have found that this approach is is working and that students are much more uh, happy that we're not responding looking like true traditional police officers and that we're looking like it's a care-based response versus a traditional police response. And I recall in our um, review of some of the, um, when we were doing the pilot, mm -hmm. when we actually test tested this care response right. um, approach to, to students who were having mental health crises, the crisis that they were saying mm -hmm. that that was really, really helpful. Mm -hmm. So 
So I'm glad that we're going to continue to, to really embed that into the work that you're doing and that we're doing as well. Yeah, when we, and so we've been piloting this for about a year and a half now. Mm -hmm. And we began, we went from a traditional uniform mm -hmm. to I just assigned officers to respond in plain clothes. We found that um, although plain clothes may be something that's desirable, as, as police officers, we need to be mindful about being able to identify ourselves right. as well. well so, yes. so we've gotten away from just the plain clothes, like come, someone coming in dressed like myself. Do you have a uniform, a plain it, clothes uniform now, or what it, is it? It's, it's a softer look uniform okay. um, with, with a pullover. We're, it's being uh, designed right now. Um, I think I think people are going to like it. Again, it's it's more. It looks like a more of a collegial look, but it's still. I saw the new ones for security, which actually looks very good for the summer. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. So this is, um, you know, we, we're not planting a flag to say we've we've succeeded by by no means. We're we're still working and we're still evolving. Well, it's been you've been around since 1894. I assume that you're going to evolve. <laughs> um, I think, and I I do think that, um, and you've been here for now what. 20 years almost 20, next 20, year i begin 20 my 25th years. year so i do see evolution in the police department in terms mm -hmm. of the way it has worked mm -hmm. um and now it's just you know we're going to do uh, turbocharged uh yeah. evolution in some ways um uh, because we need to um but i've always been grateful that you've been willing to to take the next step thank um, you it's, it's really helpful for us it's not easy <laughs> no it's, it's never it, easy <laughs> it's, it's not easy it's not easy I want to ask you about COVID and, mm -hmm. and how COVID has affected your work as vice president and secretary of the university. Well, it has been both difficult and, but also surprisingly um, wonderful in some ways. Uh, it's been difficult because most of what our work is done um, with students on, on campus face to face. Mm -hmm. uh, and, um, and of course, I'm also responsible for some of the major traditions like commencement and, and mm -hmm. opening assembly, which are really geared toward with work with working with you getting the community together mm -hmm. in celebration so not having that has been hard um, in terms of creating a, a community and, and having to sit together on the other hand being on zoom sometimes actually is helpful i see more students wow. um, uh, can run meetings more efficiently uh, and actually one of the things i love to keep is that we can see more students more alumni more um faculty and staff because they can come in and out of meetings mm -hmm. or larger events mm -hmm. in ways that they couldn't if it was just a drop-in. So mm -hmm. there's some things that have been great about it. Um, there's some things that have been difficult. Uh, mm -hmm. The one thing that has been consistent is the police have always been here. <laughs> um, so, you know, that has that have never changed, which I'm I'm grateful for. I know the president's grateful for. Uh, and 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 so I think that that didn't change, but but just in terms of the emptiness of the campus, mm -hmm. physically physical emptiness during that time was was a little bit difficult. But again, there's always you can make lemonade out of anything. So yeah, that's what we did. I I agree with you that um, Zoom has created opportunities for us to engage uh, more. So that's something that we we're probably going to continue to do, even as we continue to work our way through this pandemic. We we were able to meet with so many community groups mm -hmm. and students over the pandemic, probably more so than we would ever be able to do while on campus. And other people mm -hmm. are able to come in and out of those meetings more easily as well. Now, can I ask you a question? Because sure. you, I, I got the sense that not only in the area of Fit for Purpose, but mm -hmm. there was creativity coming out of this office as well. So I remember you did a um, video, I think it was, or yeah. for this year's first year class because you couldn't meet as many. 
right. which I thought was interesting. And I'm wondering, so did this podcast come out of the creativity of needing to get to people in a different way as opposed to just doing face-to-face -face meetings? God, yeah. So the answer is absolutely yes. Okay. One of the things that we were trying to do is uh, continue our work um, uh, following the, the release of the 21CP report mm -hmm. in, in how do we engage in, in our community during a pandemic. So, you know, one of the things that we would always talk about is, you know, part of community policing is meeting the community where they are. Right. Well, if everyone is home and everyone's on Zoom, well, we have to meet them there. Well, we also found that a lot of students, a lot of community members listen to podcasts. So if that's where I people are, yeah, <laughs> yeah. if that's where people are, then that's where we want to go. And we want to we want to listen to every voice. We want to also share about ourselves and and, not, and be, to be honest, we want to just kind of let people know what's on our mind, mm -hmm. and what we're thinking, because the co-production of public safety requires all of us to provide information to one another so that we can build systems for better outcomes. And that's Makes that's sense. ultimately what we're trying to do. Okay. Um, so I so speaking of podcasts. I read that you like podcasts. I do. I love podcasts. So can you can you tell me one good thing that uh, or what makes a good podcast? I'm still learning. I'm still new at this. Well, one, you have a very good voice for podcasts. So I will say that because <laughs> um, sometimes it's, it's you want a powerful voice and you want someone who has a passion. I think that some of the ones that I listen to are the are the people who are very passionate about what they're talking about, um, curious curious and willing to learn they might they might have a series of set of expertise but they're really talking to people about you know how they're experiencing mm -hmm. um, a particular topic uh Lori santos by the way um professor santos mm -hmm. uh who is the head of college at um Silliman, has a really wonderful podcast the happiness lab based on her research um and i think that and but she's she's had these interesting guests come mm -hmm. on talking about it so i think that's always really interesting just to learn from someone who you know is an expert, but is also having a really interesting conversation with somebody um, about a different slant on the work. So I think that's really important. Um, as one of the things that I think that you that you're you're naturally going to do because this is such an interesting interesting topic, and I know you've been really focused on trying to yeah. figure out how to how to think about the community connection with the police. Yeah, no, that, thank you. That's very helpful. Um, yeah, Professor Santos is a rock star. She is on, on campus, but she evolved. She had, she didn't start off as a rock star. She evolved, and so yeah, yeah. You know, from her from her uh, expertise. So I think that's probably in the cards for you as well. Great, Kim. Uh, I want to thank you for your time today, um, your your work, your partnership, and your role on campus. Not just in partnering with public safety, but with all you do. And we didn't even touch on diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging because we can have. A podcast. We can have an episode There's a lot. on There's that a lot. alone, <laughs> and, and there is a nexus between the work that we're doing True. and DEIB. So maybe we can get together again and, and talk about that. Yes, we should. Podcast. We should. There's a lot coming out of the um, DEIB planning process. Yes. Um, so we'll have a lot to say about that uh, in the coming weeks. We can have another conversation, certainly. All right. All right. So to our producers, we have her on the record. We have Kim <laughs> on the record as coming back to talk about DEIB. Okay. Absolutely. Right. Well, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you so much for joining us uh, this afternoon and for Campus Roll Call um, and our, our wonderful guest, Secretary and Vice President Kim Goff-Cruz. Remember to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, and YouTube. I'm going to do mine now. I'm going to subscribe now, actually. So okay. I'll be listening to you in the car. Roger that. Okay. Go Bulldogs. <laughs>